he looked like a salty old gunfighter. Howdy. You're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. From the University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston, we're talking about Dr. Red Duke. (laughs) Very good. But first, what hospital were you born in, in Texas? Well, I just did an internet search, and I'm surprised that it still can be found by the name it was called by when I was born there, and that's Galveston County Memorial Hospital down there on... uh, Formerly Palmer Highway is now Emmett F. Lowry Expressway in Texas City. Um, that's where I was born. That's where I had my tonsils out. Um, I will always remember that place. Well, I was born in Methodist Hospital in San Antonio, Texas. And it's still Methodist Hospital, and it's still there. I was born in one of the old parts of the hospital. A very healthy, beautiful baby boy. Thank you very much. Well, I, I was born in Sweetwater. I presume it was in a hospital. I really don't know. <laughs> we only lived there a year, so I, I've never been back to that hospital. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a compliment here, Sean. Sean is deeply steeped in history knowledge. Yeah. He can tell you about any major military <laughs> engagement of pretty much any war. He can yeah. tell you about the number of bogeys on specific models and makes of tanks. But you don't know the history, your own history, of where you were born. Nope. Hmm. I could tell you every school my parents taught at. Uh, well, that's boring podcast. All right, moving <laughs> but, on. But we know you were born in a hospital in Texas. In Sweetwater, Texas. There you go. There you go. So if you're in Sweetwater, why don't you tweet us? <laughs> what hospital was there in 1974? What hospital uh, was Sean born in? If only there was some kind of computer magical information that we could ask. So, uh, Mom and Pop MacGyver, um, if you can dig out Sean's birth certificate and and tell us what the name of the hospital is on there, that would be helpful. Yeah, I could do that. that. (laughs) James Henry Red Duke was born November 16th, 1928 in Ennis, Texas. His childhood was fairly unremarkable, and he graduated from Hillsborough High School before going on to earn a Bachelor of Science degree at Texas A&M. Like many other famous men who attended Texas A&M, he was a Yale leader. Uh, for many years, A&M was an all-male school, for those who don't know. And instead of cheerleaders, they have Yale leaders who lead the crowd in... Yells. Different chants. Yells. yells. <laughs> chants, yells. Yeah, and even, after, even after they went co-ed, they, they kept the Yale leaders. Go Giga Maggies! <laughs> Go ahead and do this paragraph to Mike. After college, he served a two-year tour of duty as a tank officer in the U.S. Army during the Korean War. When he returned to America, he felt compelled to earn a divinity degree at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth in 1955. When asked why he didn't go on to a preaching career, he said, quote, I liked school, but I couldn't stand preaching. An act of God, though, helped him make a choice that would change innumerable lives when a tornado tore down the church where he was supposed to serve. Red said, I figured that that was a sign from God that I needed to do something else. (laughs) After reading a book by Albert Schweitzer, the famed humanitarian physician, he was inspired to change careers, and he enrolled at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School in Dallas. 
He graduated with his M.D. in 1960. Dr. Duke completed his internship in internal medicine and his residency in general surgery at Dallas's famous Parkland Memorial Hospital through 1965. It was during this residency that Duke had his first brush with fame. Dr. Duke, like most of the nation, had no idea what an historic day, November 22, 1963, would turn out to be. He said, I don't think I was hardly conscious of the fact that the president and his wife were going to be there. At 12.36, when President Kennedy was rushed into Parkland's emergency entrance, Red was eating lunch when the call for the chief of surgery came over the PA. A doctor next to him grabbed a phone, asked what was happening, then told Duke to run with him to the emergency room because the president had been shot. The full impact of the situation was not apparent to Red. Red said, Being a typical country boy, I thought, Golly, I'm going to meet a president. But when he actually entered the trauma room, did he realize the seriousness of the situation? Red said of the situation, I saw these people standing there, and I saw Mrs. Kennedy seated by the door, and her clothing was stained, and I realized this was not a good deal. Other doctors feverishly tried to save Kennedy's life, even as his blood began soaking the floor. I right quick recognized this was a fatal injury, Dr. Duke recalled. I have no idea what I said, but... They said, well, there's a guy across the hall that needs help. Dr. Duke rushed past Jackie Kennedy and crossed the hall into another trauma room where he found a man with a gushing chest wound. He distinctly remembered the burnt orange dress the man's wife was wearing, but only a moment later did he realize his patient was Governor John Conley, who had been shot next to the president in his car. He said later, Functioning in this kind of situation, I think we developed the ability to just get focused on the problem. You don't care who it is or what it is. You just try to identify the problem and do the things that need to be done to achieve your goal. Duke prepared Connolly for surgery, anxiously awaiting the arrival of his boss and mentor, Dr. Robert Shaw. By the time Shaw arrived, Connolly was awake and aware, thanks in large part to the treatment of Dr. Red Duke, who was only a fourth-year resident at the time. Duke was supposed to take his wife to the opera that night, but didn't make it. In fact, he basically lived at the hospital for several days. Duke remained at Connolly's bedside as the nation endured the drama of the state funeral and the death of Lee Harvey Oswald. Later, he was told of the dinner prayer his three-year-old daughter said the night of the assassination. She said, The world is dark, and we are very sad. This was just his first brush with fame at 35 years old, but Red Duke would go on to have a long and well-publicized career afterwards. In 1966, he began his career as an educator at UT Southwestern Medical School. Later, he moved to a position at the Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons in New York City. Dr. Duke was not satisfied with only with teaching, though, and he continued his own education even as he was educating others. He pursued graduate studies in chemical engineering, biochemistry, and computer sciences at Columbia University, under an, NIH spe- under an NIH special fellowship. While at Columbia, he spent two of his years at Jalalabad, Afghanistan, as a visiting professor and then chairman of surgery at Nangahar University of Medicine. When he returned from Afghanistan, Duke joined the faculty of the University of Texas Medical School at Houston. There, he was a professor of surgery and also served as special assistant to the president of the UT Health Science Center. He was also honored as the John B. Holmes Professor of Clinical Sciences. In 1976, Duke established Houston's Herman Hospital Life Flight Operation. 
Life Flight was only the second civilian air medical transport service, and Duke served as its director from the time he helped establish it until his death many years later. Duke was a founding member of the American Trauma Society and was an advanced trauma life support instructor for the American College of Surgeons. In 1988, he was named Surgeon of the Year by the James F. Mitchell Foundation. In 1989, because of his tireless efforts to educate the public in health issues and trauma prevention, Dr. Duke was seriously considered for the position of Surgeon General. Duke's influence was extensive, and he was a popular and respected figure even outside the medical community. The Department of Surgery at the University of Texas Medical School in Houston sponsored a scholarship fund to honor Duke. In respect to the field of medicine that drove him, it was focused on students who wanted to research and train in the field of trauma. He attained the rank of Eagle Scout, and the Boy Scouts of America later honored him with the Distinguished Eagle Scout Award. As founder and one-time president of the American Bighorn Society, he was a major supporter of many wildlife conservation groups. He served as president of the Boone and Crockett Club, which is the oldest conservation organization in the United States, and he was the president of the Foundation of North American Wild Sheep. Perhaps Dr. Red Duke's greatest fame, however, and the thing most Texans probably know him for, is his appearances on television. For over 20 years, Dr. Red Duke would appear on segments relating to health and safety topics on the nightly news on local stations throughout the state, and later throughout the nation. According to the Gallup organization, Duke was one of the most recognized television personalities in his field. His fame from his health segments led him to more prominent roles, hosting Texas Health Reports, a nationally syndicated show that ran for 15 years, and the PBS series Body Watch. Those programs educated millions about various health-related topics. Duke was easily recognized for his distinctive Texan accent and large mustache, as well as his Dukeisms. most notable his segment sign-off, For Your Health. Duke was modest about his notoriety, once saying, I don't consider myself famous. I'm just overexposed. Dr. Red Duke was featured on the NBC Nightly News and the Today Show. He even appeared on a short-lived television series based on his life, ABC's Buck James, starring Dennis Weaver, another great mustache of history. After his television days ended, Dr. Duke remained dedicated to the profession for his entire life. Even at the age of 79, he was often on 24-hour call at the Memorial Hermann Hospital as an emergency room trauma surgeon. On August 25, 2015, it was reported that Dr. Duke died of natural causes at the hospital that he'd done so much to aid, Memorial Hermann. He was 86 years old at the time. Some of the many things that Dr. Duke advocated on his appearances on TV were wearing sunscreen, diet and exercise, and wearing seatbelts and bicycle helmets. In fact, he believed in the value of seatbelts so much that he lobbied the Texas legislature to get the, start, to get the state's first seatbelt law passed. While we often take these preventative measures as given today, when Dr. Duke began his career, people rarely considered them, and it's at least partially because of his influence that they are so commonly accepted now. Well, I gotta tell you, like, you know, there's... A few TV doctors uh, that are not Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz that I uh, are my go-to guys. Um, and Dr. Red Duke is the top of the list for me. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, the, th the thing about the seatbelt, I remember when that, when that occurred. Um, the influence that he had on people's lives was so great that I, I can remember people saying, I ain't going to wear no seatbelt. 
Uh, they can't tell me what to do. But then when Dr. Duke said, you should wear a seatbelt, people said, oh, Dr. Ed says to do it. I better do it. Um, you know, he talked about, he was one of the first people to talk about AIDS on television and about like the facts and realities about HIV and AIDS in the 1980s when people were terrified of it. He talked about smoking. He's, he, he, he just, he was, he's such an important part, I think, of a certain generation of Texans' lives because, you know, six o'clock at night, you're watching TV and there's Dr. Duke talking about, you know, something to do with health or with safety. And that was such a passionate part of his life. Yeah, yeah, there's um, a great link, and uh, we'll put it up on the notes page, that is is a list to basically all of his major appointments and life events, professional organizations, and just a lot of the stuff he's done. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it even goes right to the very top list, Eagle Scout. So there you go. So uh, yeah. and I think- you can take that. But I, but I think the thing about the guy is that he was, once he kind of got lined up on what he was supposed to be doing, which was being a doctor, he was the best. Yeah. And he just, he was, he was driven man. Yeah, well, and he had one of those rare gifts of being driven and being knowledgeable and being good at his job, but also having a personality and and a mm-hmm. presence that really helped him, you know, do good in the world. It's like he was able to take his natural born Texas charisma and and use that to further the the public safety and health goals that he was trying to, you know, share. Yeah, he he didn't he didn't look or sound like a doctor. I mean, he was wearing, he would usually wear scrubs or a lab coat and, and he did have glasses, but he looked like a salty old gunfighter yeah. from the old West. <laughs> he had that Sam Elliott mustache and, yeah. and he yeah. was just, he was real thin and just, he looked like the kind of guy that would draw down on you down in the streets in Sweetwater, you know? Yeah. Buck James. Um, I remember yeah, that show. Buck James. Man, that is that is a distant memory. <laughs> yeah, and we we might be able to. Uh, I wonder we might be able to find some YouTube clips uh, that we could put a link to on the website or something. Yeah, we'll see. The other thing is this amazing is that first brush with fame of being there. You know, at, at Parkland when Kennedy was brought in. We've talked so much about the Kennedy assassination uh, on our show, but yeah, Parkland Hospital. They brought him. They brought Connolly and Kennedy in, and and you know. Dr. Duke saved Connolly's life. He he literally saved his life. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, like the, that's the thing is like the the gravity of being uh, a young doctor in that situation and just being, uh, you know, so his his a uh, so small town of hey, I'm gonna meet the president. To oh my god, this is horrible. Yeah, but it's a time before. You know, uh, we talked about the assassination back in uh, when we talked about Eric Johnson and some of, and we did a, a whole article on it. You know, people got their news via transistor radio yeah. at best. <laughs> uh, so you know, you're you're maybe tuned to an AM station uh, when you're, you know, and that was about about the best you were going to hope for. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because I didn't really know until we, uh, you know, we're starting to work on this episode. I I didn't realized that he was so instrumental in establishing life flight um i mean i I knew he that he had uh he was a big player in the the trauma medicine scene as a whole but i didn't realize that life flight was something that he had pushed um so that's pretty cool because that's something that's you know really made a difference in a lot of people's lives Mm -hmm. and uh just to know that that was uh largely a texan innovation is pretty cool doctor i'll ask the question as we wrap up today dr red duke 
great doctor or the greatest doctor? <laughs> Definitely greatest Texan doctor. <laughs> there you go. Can't ask for much more than that. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstaple.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstaple.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. While you're at it, follow us individually, too. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. We'd like to thank our good friend James Abendroth for helping us to research and write this episode. You can find him on Twitter at Blackguard Press and find his fiction work at BlackguardPress.com. Now, we know you love Texas and we know you love the show. And if you'd like to help support us, head on over to Patreon.com slash Texas Podcast, where you can become a member of the Come and Take It Nation and support us with a monthly donation to say, great job, guys. It helps us to keep the show going. And since you like the show so much, get out there and tell people about the show. Share the link. Go and leave a review on iTunes because it helps us to find new listeners just like you. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.